Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. We're just about done with the All-Star break. Uh, Orlando has made some roster changes. The Magic are together again practicing for Thursday's game. I hope you all took a deep breath because it's time for that final 23-game sprint to try and sneak into the play-in. You ready? Let's go. Hardaway, straight down the lane, the power jack. Point guard on a 7-6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! Here's Turkaloo for the win. All right, Penny. Uh, it's only been two weeks since we last recorded a pod episode, but it feels longer because there's a lot of stuff happening right now with the magic and around the league. But uh, we're recording this uh, early Tuesday evening, uh, February 21st. So still technically the all-star break. Uh, the magic, they just had their first practice since the break today. So, uh, but before we get into that we got to go backwards a little bit we have to talk trade deadline since uh our last episode was prior to the deadline so the lakers they can't stay away from magic big men it seems like uh every decade they they just need to acquire at least one magic big man so mo bamba who he still had two games of his suspension left to serve was dealt to the lakers for one uh 2024 denver nuggets second round pick and then also Patrick Beverly's expiring contract that we waive and cash considerations, which I thought seemed a bit low of a return when you saw just so many second round picks being dished out by other teams in other transactions around the league. Like I think Gary Payton, the second netted like Portland five second round picks. So um, I thought we'd get at least two second, we'd get two second round picks for Bamba and with at least one of them being useful, that didn't happen. It it kind of ended up being a salary dump. What was your thoughts on on the Mo Bamba trade, Penny? Yeah, I was hopeful with, as you said, with second round picks being the currency of value uh, this February. Thought that we would be able to get one, seeing as how we did not retain a player in the trade. Um, I was surprised at both the return and the destination did were were you surprised it was LA um i thought yeah i was surprised it was LA cuz i thought they'd stick it out with thomas bryant who i guess they just didn't like but i'm going i'm willing to bet that they're going to regret getting rid of thomas bryant um i know they got jared vanderbilt as well so it's kind of like did you really need bomba but i mean i guess they're playing him as the backup big at the moment so we'll we'll see how that goes for mo but um I thought, I thought Mo would end up being either a Nick or a, or a Dallas Maverick, and neither really ended up happening. But um, I don't know. Do you have a different destination in mind for Mo? I yeah. I mean, it seemed like Dallas might be the fit, especially if they had ended up doing something with Christian Wood or something. But um, I mean, I guess there's a pathway there in LA with, I think Thomas Bryant requested out, which is funny because you're not going to get a ton of minutes behind uh, Jokic in Denver, but yeah, but he might win a title. A though. There. Yeah. He might win a title. There's a, there's a pathway there in LA. If you know, you never know what's going to happen with Anthony Davis's health and stuff. So it's a, uh, see the appeal and, and the opportunity for Mo with the Lakers. Yeah, look, this, like I said, this ended up really looking like a salary dump. Like we didn't want to pay Mo another, you know, $11 million or whatever next season. So Steve Clifford, if it wasn't obvious already, was correct in uh, in playing Kim Birch over Bamba in that 2018, 2019 second half of the season. And Mo just he kept getting opportunities, but either because of injury, COVID, Wendell Carter Jr., Moritz Wagner, like all of it were obstacles that Mo could just never quite get over. And he, you know, he departs Orlando as a as a Weltham disappointment. Like it's you can't really say it any other way. He was a six overall pick in the 2018 NBA draft. 
which was one spot in front of Wendell Carter Jr. But then also like Mikel Bridges went 10th. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander went 11th in that draft. So it's it does not look good at all. Um, Bamba, he's 24 years old now. Uh, in five Magic seasons, he played 266 games. He started 81 of them at 18.3 minutes per contest, 7.7 points per game, 5.8 rebounds per contest, 1.4 blocks, 47.7 field goal shooting, 36.0 three-point percentage shooting, and then 68.6 free throw shooting for uh, for Mo. Um, look, I'm always going to view Bamba like I did Andrew Nicholson, like lots of talent, never could piece it together on the NBA stage. And just he's a smart guy, good guy. I mean, all we have is See, good guys. Was that's that? interesting because I, I didn't think about it that way, but it goes back to what we've talked about before there's no debate that well, obviously Nicholson was a genius basically but Mo Bamba very intelligent very thoughtful uh very articulate very nice but there's something to be said maybe about obviously basketball IQ super important but sometimes being too intelligent can cause you to overthink or, you know, like there, there's something I think to that. It's a thing. No, hyper intelligent guys. It's a thing. It, it It's really a thing, honestly. Like, yeah. I mean, Andrew is, yeah. Like you said, he's technically like a genius and look, he's, he's done really well with the Canadian national team when he played for them and he's playing in China and making a good amount of money and a good living overseas. But, um, you know, just in the in the NBA, whether it was, just, it was just too fast or he just you just th- think too much when you're out on the floor, um, it just it just never worked out. And look, maybe LeBron can unlock something with Bamba that the Magic couldn't unlock all these years. But I mean, honestly, like Bamba needs to spend two years in the Euroleague to just build on his fundamentals and get together, you know, just, or get you know get it together and just get tougher. But you know, instead, Lakers fans are already moaning about his bad tendencies on the floor. Um, you know, the Lakers are 13th in the West. The Magic are 13th in the East. Uh, this ended up being like a four-team trade. Like the other details of the trade are, you know, as follows. Like Denver acquired Thomas Bryant, who, you know, we both seem to like um, from the Lakers. The Clippers got Bones Highland from Denver. And the Lakers, you know, obviously got Bamba. Uh, but they also got Devon Reed from uh, Denver, as well as two future second-round picks from the Clippers. So it's like, we, we couldn't get any of that. Like, I know obviously that was mostly for Thomas Bryant, but it's just funny how we, we end up with one second round pick. We waved Patrick Beverly, who I thought should have ended up going back to the Minnesota Timberwolves, but I guess either they didn't want him or they didn't have the roster space. But instead we found out today that he's heading home and he's becoming a Chicago bull. So that's going to be fascinating to see if Beverly either helps or hurts that team that's trying to get into the play-in because we have their draft pick coming most likely. And I've loved Pat Bev for a long time. He was awesome at Olympiacos like a decade ago, but you know we weren't going to play him uh, on the Magic without just a whole bunch of dudes being injured. You know we were going to always give those minutes to guys like uh, you know Markel, Cole, Suggs, Gary Harris, etc. So. It made sense to waive him since Pat clearly wants to play. And, you know, on that Bulls team, he is going to play because Lonzo Ball's out for the year for them. And they they have a backup guard need, it looks like, because Goran Dragic isn't cutting it anymore. He's, he's too old for them, it looks like. But, you know, Bamba's last magic moment was him fighting Austin Rivers. That was the last moment of him in a, in a magic jersey. And we'll face the Lakers in LA March 19th on the second night of a back-to-back and we'll see what, uh, what we get from, uh, from Bamba and the Lakers that night. But um, any final Mo Bamba thoughts from what I've gone through right there, Penny? I, I think that it'll be interesting looking back on it. You're correct that it was the first failure of this regime, I think in terms of drafting, um, but great human being, and also kind of ushered in again the, the the style, the aesthetic of the team anyway, even though he in particular didn't work out like the the length, uh, hopefully the shooting comes along with the rest of the roster, the length, mm-hmm. the shooting, the defense, the versatility, um, you know, that's that's basically the 
the starting point of whatever this team is going to grow into. So it's a shame it didn't work out, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, look, if Bamba was a better one-on-one defender, he he'd still be here. I, I really think so. Like his his career path would have turned out different if he could play good one-on-one defense, but he can't. He's more of a help block guy. He can't rebound. He can't screen. Can't box out on rebounds. Like there's there's a lot of just bad fundamental stuff that it it just it caught up to him finally. And you know maybe it works out better with the Lakers. We're gonna we're gonna see for that. Um, nothing happened with Ross or RJ Hampton trade wise at the deadline, which surprised me, but not you, Penny, because you thought the Magic were only gonna do one trade. I don't know. Did you think that one trade would include anyone else uh, aside from Bamba? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought Ross was going to go out the door too. And, and I, again, really shocked that we didn't get any, any draft capital at all. All right. We're going to go through some of these last few games. I, I don't want to talk much about it because it's been a while and, you know, the other magic pods have talked about it, but like, you know, the magic a few hours after the trade deadline, they hosted the Denver nuggets and I went to the game. I finally, had my first Jernigan's restaurant experience, um, which was, there, there was some good, there was some bad. Um, it, it was really cool though, but you know, the check-in process is excruciatingly long if you don't show up early to Jernigan's. So you find that out the hard way, the first go around. But, um, you know, I sat at the closest level uh, up against that ledge that, that that's as close as you can get uh, from the Jernigan's portion of the, of the arena and it's just it's a great view from above um awesome food awesome selection uh the desserts disappear really fast though like you gotta you gotta head hit up the desserts like if not er by early second quarter by like towards the end of the first quarter because those things disappear fast um gary harris sat out that denver game with a right uh with right abductor soreness sug started at shooting guard him and folds were getting their hands on every ball in that in that backcourt and Denver not having Jamal Murray hurt them because, you know, they they had to roll with uh, Ish Smith and uh, Christian Braun a lot. And, uh, yeah, not having Jamal Murray really hurt Denver. But it was Aaron Gordon's second uh, return to Orlando as a member of the Nuggets. You know, the Magic were down 12-0 out of the gate at the first time out, which was not ideal. But then we stormed back. We tied it up at, like, 19-19. Like, we came back fast. And then we went ahead, and then we didn't really look back, despite Aaron Gordon dropping like 37 points in a revenge game performance, which ended up getting kind of outweighed by the Bull Bull revenge game in the fourth quarter, basically. Bull Bull really uh, turned it on and kind of helped close it out for us in the fourth. Um, you know, we were we were definitely playing in that game like we were still pissed about losing that game in Denver last month on that Jokic three-point game winner. Like, we were just motivated. We really, really wanted to get him, and we got him, and we beat the best team in the West. Like, that that was awesome. Um, I don't know. Any Jernigan's questions for me, Penny, or any questions on this Denver game? I, I just – I wanted to hear the recap about the food and the food layout um, on the game. Couldn't have been happier with the performance and, and hope that it had laid the foundation to, you know, going into the break on a positive note. We'll talk about the <laughs> yeah. following games for sure. Um, So with Jernigan, so you get in, there's a lot of seating area. Like there, I think they have like 300 seats in that, in that area. Like you have a bunch up, up against the edge, like half of, or up against like the ledge, you got half of it up against like that. But then you have like actual tables where you can sit. Um, so it's, you basically, you get a plate and it's basically buffet style, but it's, it's, you get a plate or plates, whatever um, you go up, you grab whatever you want to get. They have gigantic charcuterie board area in like the middle of the place. But then there's like two or three different carving stations <laughs> with different meats. There's like a taco station, um, the desserts, when I saw them the first go around, were really great. And then this is when I actually went to try and get dessert, they were gone. And, so and um, I was basically left with like a few cookies and like some ice cream at the end there. But um, really, really good uh, meat selection and uh, just really nice. Like it's it's the best food experience, I think, in, in the building. Like it's better than what you would get in a suite, which we've been lucky to experience that. Okay. But yeah. Um, yeah, the food was really good. And then, you know, you pay at the end. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it, it's really cool. And I mean, it's it, it's a it's a nice experience. Um, 
And yeah, I don't know. Any other further detail questions about the food? I I I hope to get an invite for the next time. That's all. Well, I, I well, I don't know if I'll be doing that anytime soon, yeah. but no, yeah, it's I went with my uncle and then uh my dad and like a, another buddy of theirs, whatever. So uh, you know, I guess if you're a season ticket holder, you get like it's weird. I guess you get like an invite or something, but I mean you're still paying, so that's the weird thing. It, it's I, I don't know how that works, but it's I'm sure season ticket holders can explain it better than me, but um yeah. Anyway, all right. So the next night, uh, Duvin had their special Magic Apparel event. So not this past Friday, but the Friday before. Um, the event started at 4 p.m. And glad we uh, were able to get off our jobs early. And we we got there at 3.45 because there was like 100 people in front of us. The line would become absolutely ridiculous behind us. I think we found out that they ended up getting like 4,000 people at the event. And they had to turn people away like three or four hours into the thing, but you know, going in, I was mentally prepared to drop like 200 bucks on gear and I got out, I guess, thankfully at under a hundred, like I got a nice $40 hat, which, you know, I'll, you know, the prices are the prices, but uh, we each got the $40 greetings from Orlando t-shirt, which you've already worn. Uh, It's in my closet at the moment. So I'll have to figure out when to whip that thing out, but it's uh, it's a beautiful shirt. We got some free beer there. We got some free Jimmy Hula's tacos, some free. Uh, we got the free stuff, ski surfing lapel pin. We got, well, yeah, we each got high five by stuff. Although you didn't want to get high five by stuff, but I'll leave that at that if you want to explain that. But um, stuff was there for an allotted uh, 30 minute visit and stuff's very good with time. Cause once the 30 minutes came and went, he was gone. But um and then we also got like free magic sunglasses and like a lunchbox. And all in all, it was actually worth like the hour in line before we ended up hitting up uh, Courtesy nearby for drinks, which for people that know, don't know about Courtesy, Courtesy used to be in downtown Orlando. Now they're uh, just uh, in Winter Park uh, on the way towards like Park Ave and, and Rollins College. Like there's uh, Courtesy is the best cocktails in town. But uh, talk about the Duvin experience, Penny. Yeah. Well, first I want to circle back to the stuff part of it. I think it's it's no shock that one of my favorite halftime uh, NBA halftime shows uh, and probably many people's is Quick Change. Um, stuff operated. Uh, he par- he partook in slow change. Um, they they brought the I remember that wagon to the event. Uh, it start starts rumbling and rocking side to side, and then stuff emerges. Um, and then he hops back in right at 29.59 on the clock for his 30-minute shift. Uh, not to take away the magic of stuff, but there was more rocking and rattling before the uh, van pulled away. So Buddy is not uh, in full costume in route or uh, on the way there or on the way back, which is fair. It was um, a pretty warm afternoon by that time. Yeah. I, I will say very truthfully that I was shocked at the turnout. Um Clearly, the Duvin people are doing something right. There's a lot of uh, fans of that brand. I I had not heard of it um, prior to you know you you reminded me that they did the collaboration with Orlando City. But mm-hmm. um, in full transparency, their aesthetic is not like normally up my alley. But and and also I'm a cheap bastard. But uh, I will say the the T-shirt is high quality. I will give them that for a forty dollar T-shirt. Um, and obviously, you know, they're, they're paying extra money to obtain the, the rights to, you know, collaborate with the magic and stuff too. So you have to factor that in, but, uh, pretty high quality t-shirt. And I was shocked that just wearing it out in general, you know, in the general public got a couple compliments on the shirt already. So that bodes well, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, um. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if they actually end up putting any of that online to sell, but not yet at the moment from what I've understood. So, yeah, if you weren't there, if you couldn't or if you're out of the Orlando area and you couldn't get anyone to buy you stuff, you're, you're kind of on a, in a waiting pattern at the moment. But anyway, all right. The next night, the Magic hosted the Heat that Saturday. So before that game, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, he announced that the Magic were finalizing a Terrence Ross buyout. Uh, we couldn't get anything for Ross in a trade because he's not been the best player since 2019. And then Ross to Dallas uh, once 
buyout was completed was most likely what was going to happen per Woj's rumor news, but uh, that ended up not playing out, which would have been interesting because there would have been like a conspiracy theory match made in heaven between Terrence and Kyrie Irving. So, but yeah, that didn't end up happening. So the heat game. Um, All right. Gary Harris, who is the oldest guy on our team at 28 years old, was back and in the starting lineup. Um, the Heat were on a second night of a back-to-back. Magic were up by 17 in the first half of this game. All fucking night, the refs just did everything to keep Miami in the game. It, it's it been almost two weeks since this game happened, and I'm still pissed at the officiating crew of uh, Brandon Adair, Tred Maddox, and Aaron Smith. Just a fucking horrific Can I- shit show. Yeah. Can I ask if that's are you, is that legitimate still is it legitimately still taking up space in your brain or is that hyperbole for the show? It's legitimately still like it, it's back there. Like I'm obviously I'm preoccupying myself myself with work <laughs> and whatnot, but it's uh it's I, I'm still pissed because you know, fuck Miami and the Heat are our biggest rivals. If Magic fans don't agree with that, I would say uh you need to educate yourselves a little bit better. But it it was just blatantly bad officiating. Like it's it's shame on the league for not properly just addressing such an abhorrent job for that night. Like I I can't recall the last time I've seen a, a Magic game officiated that terribly where we got screwed that badly over forty eight minutes, and then the overtime didn't up matter mattering really too badly, even though we got screwed on a full tan one. But look, I get it. Paolo and Franz were still slumping. Yeah. Mosley, he still has trouble timing substitutions. But if the refs only like screw us half the game instead of all of it, we win. Like it was, it was basically decided once it got to overtime, what was the game result. And then Mosley didn't do his job. He didn't remount the officials. And you can't win eight on five. And if your coach isn't going to properly stick up for your player, for his players, then yeah, that, that was the result. So um, I'm not going to go further into the game. I don't know if you want to bring up anything from, uh, from a heat game perspective, Penny. I, well, just my personal opinion, I, I did not think the officiating was that crappy. Um, obviously, you know, there's, there's calls that you want to go the magic's way. The interesting thing was the two minute report basically uh, further stuck the knife in yeah. <laughs> when, when you reviewed that, but um, just a real disappointing loss, regardless of, uh, you know, Blame. Yeah. yeah, it's if we would have won that one, it, it really would have set things up uh, even nicer, you know, as we approach the break. Yeah, so I'm done with that Miami game. Um, we still play them two more times and we still have a chance to even up the series. But both losses in Miami and then this one here at home, uh, they they were winnable. Like we could have won. We, we could have won both of them. We should have at least won this home game. It didn't happen. Um and then late that Saturday, uh, you know, early Sun Super Bowl Sunday, Woj he shared that Ross was going to be a Phoenix Sun joining Kevin Durant. So um, he played one game already with the Suns. Did Ross? He got up a lot of shots, but I mean, we're not going to know really what Ross's role is going to truly be on that Phoenix team until Durant starts playing for them. But um, yeah, Pat Pat Beverly and Terrence Ross were officially waived by the Magic on Super Bowl Sunday. My Eagles lose, lost that Super Bowl and what was a, a great game uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs on just a disgraceful playing surface where everybody was slipping and sliding on the grass. And I don't like making excuses for my for my team, but I mean, my Eagles defense couldn't get like one sack because they were just stumbling all over the place. And I think it's easier as a as an offensive lineman to block than it is a defensive uh linemen to rush and whatever but anyway uh, i'm gonna leave it at that i don't know penny you got any quick super bowl thoughts real quick i, I just felt bad for see you the, the the magic loss to the heat is still running through your mind but you you already got over the holding call and the super bowl loss. i'm more pissed about the heat officiating by far than that eagle super bowl because look was it Bradbury? I can't remember right now, but even he admitted in the post game like i got him like i, I was holding on him and look is it a soft hold yeah, it is, but it's a hold. All right, he did it. So I thought I was going to have to make a welfare check, and and then you were totally fine ten minutes after it ended. So I that was a surprise, a nice surprise. 
it, yeah, my, my worry now is like now like uh, we have to pay Jalen Hurts, which is, I, I understand it's fine. He's awesome. He had a great game. Like obviously, if he didn't have that fumble recovery for six points that would made it 14 14 like we we might have blown out kansas city because we were up still 24 14 at halftime and i was feeling good but then we we couldn't stop patrick mahomes and the scary thing is the chiefs are only going to get better and better because that team was so young in that super bowl and they won and yeah so go birds hopefully the eagles can get back sooner rather than later but uh yeah i'm more pissed about the heat officiating (laughs) the heat game officiating than than any officiating errors or whatnot in that Super Bowl. But all right. So Ross departing the magic is the official end of the Rob Hennigan era. Finally, he was kind of the last, uh, he was the last guy standing for, for the Rob Hennigan era. And look, other than that 2018, 2019 season, when he could have won the six man award, like it, it was a frustrating kind of six, seven years there with Ross. Like I heard Philip Rossman Reich, our friend on his locked on magic pod say that, Ross should be in the Magic Hall of Fame. Fuck that. No way. I'm I'm not and I'm sorry. Like he'd have to have like a Jeff Turner like TV broadcasting, radio broadcasting career for him to get in the Magic Hall of Fame in my eyes. Um in seven Magic seasons, the 32-year-old Ross, he played 349 games. He started at 55 of them. 26.1 minutes per game, which I'm surprised his minutes per game were actually still that high by the end of things, but um for his, for his Magic career, but 12.7 points per game. Three boards, 1.7 assists per game, 41.4% shooting from the field, 35.1% from three-point range. Not great for, not, you know, fine, not great for a guy named uh, the Human Torch, but 85.4 free throw shooting, um, which is fine. And then his poor defense just over these years has just overshadowed like a lot of his offense in my eyes. Um, his last... Magic game played was January 21st at the Wizards, so he was long out of the rotation. Uh, T. Ross thoughts, Benny? Um, interesting to to hear that from Phil. To me, I, I don't even think he belongs in the Hall of Very Good for the Magic. Um, obviously, a, a long tenure um, certainly filled a role on some of the better teams and in, in making things happen when there was not much happening, but. Um, and, and you can't make a player be more than they are, but man, it would have been nice if there was any kind of playmaking ability um, that he acquired over the seven years here where he, you know, had the ball in his hands quite a bit. Obviously, shoot is the first option. But to your point, one pretty one good year, one one. It was good one year. very good season. It was one very the, good season. Oh, yeah, 18, the, the rest was a lot of filler. Um and I also think too, interestingly, like if you look at his stats, right, obviously the, the tenure helps, but if you look at the percentages, my thought is that guys will continue to shoot better and better. We talked about three point percentage leaders, this season being basically, you know, close to 50 as opposed to close to 40 used to be elite. I think over time that three point percentage will, will look even worse, um, He's just surrounded by a lot of non-shooters here over the last seven years. So the bar was very low. Um, some really cool dunks, some some cool shots, but overall, um, very, very regular player that um, somehow garnered a huge following with the fans. And, you know, a lot of people are sad to see him go. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it really does surprise me that like that that many like magic podcasts, that many magic fans were just that high on T Ross. And it's like he never hit a clutch shot, I don't think, for the magic, maybe like one or two, but nothing in like a, in a very significant game. He didn't show up in that Raptors playoff series. Yeah, I get it. Like he was getting double team, but like even on open shots, he wouldn't hit them in that series. And I blame his decline for why the magic had to get rid of, you know, Vooch and, and blew it up, blow it up. Like they, they so underperformed. Then he does belong in the hall of fame is what you're saying. <laughs> season he netted uh, Wendell and Franz and, and Paolo. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I guess right. you can look at it like that, but all right. And then these last two games that happened before the break, you know, it was the Chicago Toronto back to back, just a tough way to kind of enter the all-star break, but it was a big terror, you know, character test following the heat screw job. Like we, we found out before the game, Cole Anthony was out with right wrist pain. And so he missed both of those games, but Cole he's healthy. Now it looks like after the break and 
he was really, he was really getting it going, leading that bench, you know, the bench unit. Um, and hopefully he can kind of grow into that even more. But uh, this is when it was announced that we signed a former uh, Indiana Pacer and uh, Georgia national team player, Goga Bataze. Um, I think the D is silent on his last name. So I, I think it's Bataze, but most people are just going to call him Goga anyway. But Goga was picked 18th in the 2019 NBA draft. He's 6'11 or 7 foot, depending on where you look. The Pacers had him at 6'11, so I'll, I'll go with that. But uh, the 23-year-old had played 170 career games with Indiana, 11.8 minutes per contest, 4.8 points per game, 2.8 rebounds per game, 48% from the field, 25.6% from three, uh, but he didn't really shoot it a lot on uh, from three-point range, 67.9% from the free throw line. He's looking like our third string center behind Wendell and uh, Moritz Wagner, who I can now just call Moritz Wagner Mo because we don't have Mo Bamba anymore. So that's kind of nice from a name perspective. But um, Goga, he just never shot the ball well in Indiana. 28.8 three-point percentage is his best season overall there. He he won the EuroLeague Rising Star Award in 2019. And that's that's a pretty big deal in Europe for you to be to get that award. And then he just went to the draft just full of potential that he never came close to living up to in Indy as he was stuck behind guys like DeMontis Sabonis and uh, and Miles Turner. But Goga was waived after the trade deadline. He was he had stayed in Indianapolis, I guess, to keep working out. But um, Michael Scotto said that the Magic had signed Goga to a two-year deal. The, the second year is a team option, so he's getting this season, but then – you know, if things don't go well, you can basically wave them without any issues in the off season. So this is this is a, a quick little look at them. Like it's, I think of this as basically a Moritz Wagner or Bull Bull like buy low situation. And if we're disappointed in Bobo and and Goga, like I said, he can you know we can just wave him for nothing in the summer. But Goga's reputation is weird. Like some folks I saw blamed Indiana for how. He just never got it going there. Some blame Goga's attitude and just work ethic. We're going to see. Like, he's going to play sooner rather than later, depending on, like, injuries and if guys like Wendell get rested because of, like, plantar fasciitis. But, um, you know, can Goga rebound, screen? Can he bring some type of physical interior defense? Like, if yes, he may stick around. Um, the Bulls, they didn't make any trades at the, de- at the deadline, so we – and we ended up just taking care of business in Chicago again. We got another road win in Chicago. Um, it was pretty fascinating to see Isaac guarding Levine and Drum. Actually, before I get further into this bull stuff, what do you think of, of Goga, Benny? Well, as you know, I tend to be more negative and cynical on these types of uh, transactions. I I don't necessarily see a future for him in the NBA, but the flip side of that is that sometimes guys need a, a failure in one's in one stop to you know change the way they think and prepare and and give to the game so um there's a there's a little track record here of the magic kind of hitting on these flyers so uh if they deem him worthy of a body to bring in to take a look at then uh you have to go with that track record yeah i it's gonna be fascinating um because even with like the georgia national team like gogo isn't like a stud or anything so that's that it's just it's just interesting i could see a situation where he plays sparingly the rest of this season but then i think we could i I could see us holding on to him going into next season just to try and like develop them and build them up in the offseason but we're gonna see so with the bulls game it was pretty fascinating to see jonathan isaac guarding both like zach levine and andre drummond equally in this contest just lots of different ch- kind of challenges to navigate there for Isaac. Um, he did well, though. Uh, but then Mosley, he this time, thankfully, did not wait too long to get starters back into the fourth quarter of this game. And then Paolo and Franz, who they've been kind of slumping, struggling, dealing with their own kind of rookie and sophomore walls. They were both having solid games in this one. And then Fultz almost had a triple-double. Mar- Mark Hill had 18-10 and 9 assists, no turnovers, and just what was a solid win. And... It was the first Magic three game road road uh, yeah three game road winning streak since December twenty sixth through 29th of twenty twenty. Any Bulls th- game thoughts, Penny? Um, just always nice again to get a win over them when we hold that value of their pick coming this summer. 
And then, yeah, absolutely, for sure. And then the next night in Toronto, second night of back-to-back, you got that – you lose a little bit of time too because, like, the uh, yeah, because you, you're going uh, through uh, through Can- Canada's uh, airport security. Uh, so that adds a little bit of time going through customs and stuff. But, you know, the Raptors, they didn't really make uh, any negative trades. Like, they held on to Van Vliet, Ananobi, and Gary Trent Jr. at the deadline, and they sent out the Kem Birch and brought back Jakob Bertle from uh, from the Spurs. And Jakob kicked our ass. Um, <laughs> Isaac set out the game with knee management. Um, no, uh, Cole, again, was out with that right wrist soreness. The Raptors started a big lineup. It was Pirtle, Siakam, Precious Achua, Scotty Barnes, and then Fred Van Vliet, uh, being obviously the small guy of that of that group right there. But um, both offenses got off to hot starts. Chumo KK made his magic return. It was his first uh, Orlando game action since November. He had been with Lakeland, uh, rehabbing and, and getting some reps in with Lakeland. I would have went with Caleb Houston getting those uh, kind of Jonathan Isaac minutes instead, but um, you know, cause Scotty Barnes took advantage of Chuma during, during that, that time that he was on the floor. And then Pirtle size and just mobility were just problematic for us all night. It's, it's a big seven foot one, seven foot two body that it makes Wendell look pretty tiny. And then guys like Moritz couldn't, couldn't handle the size either. And you know, the magic, they scored 43 points in the second period. 14 of them coming from Jalen Suggs. And then that 43 was the most second quarter points ever in magic history as we had a 70 to 65 lead at the break. And then the second half, we ate like a 15 to two Toronto run. And we never just recovered really as fatigue kicked in frustration kicked in and we just didn't defend the whole night. And you can kind of tack it off too to a schedule loss because of the second night of a back to back. But if we play any type of defense, like we, we had a pretty good shot of winning this game, but, um, the Markel poster dunk past Barnes and over Achua was just disgusting. It was just an ex- insane explosion. And just Fultz continues the stretch of just detonating dunks on dudes. But um, we lost, and we entered the All-Star break 24-35. and 35. Uh, Penny, any Raptors game thoughts? Yeah, I mean, not a surprising defeat there. I think watching the game, you kind of felt like whether it was defensive effort or just the Raptors hot shooting. I, I think they finished that game over 60% from the field. Like probably, you, yeah, you got the feeling that they're just not going to miss enough to ever let us climb back all the way into that one. Um, disappointing note to get to the break, but on the whole uh, record, not too bad. Now 24 and 35. I mean, we were already, you know, already two games above where we were all of last season. You know, we had 22 wins last season. So I mean, look, that Heat game was really a killer because, you know, if we win that Heat game, then you're more than happy splitting the Chicago and Toronto back, especially since we actually beat the Bulls, like because we get their pick. But, um, you know, now we got we're, we're kind of getting at that stage with these guys where we're trying to get greedy, and it's it's challenging, but it's you, there's got to be some level of patience. But all right, let's talk All Star Weekend thoughts. Um, you know, along with. The Rising Stars exhibition, Paolo Bencaro participated in the skills competition on Team Rooks that Saturday night. But going back to this recent Friday, Paolo's team, uh, which is, I believe, Team Pal Gasol, beat Franz's uh, Darren Williams team in the Rising Stars. It was the first game out of the gate that Friday night. Um, Wagner didn't score, I believe, and he got frozen out by his teammates, which I'm sure Darren Williams loves seeing his top pick not get touches, but... Um, Franz, I hope got a bunch of rest though. That's, that's what I'm hoping. Paolo did well in this, uh, you know, Jose Alvarado stole the show and rightfully won MVP of the rising stars. But I, I don't like this format. This needs to be either world versus us or rookies versus sophomores. What are your rising star thoughts, Penny? I, um, I, I thought it was fine. Um, what an advantage to be Jalen Suggs over Franz Wagner to get a full week off and go like, hey, you're playing really great. We're going to fly you out to Salt Lake City in February. Uh, we'll run you out there for one game to 40. I know they do a bunch of other stuff too, right? But we'll, yeah, we'll run you out of- there for one game and you won't get to shoot the ball at all. And then you sit there and be done. 
Yeah, I hope they I hope that the Paolo and Franz got to meet like a bunch of like NBA legends and got to hang out with like other NBA stars and stuff. I mean, they did a lot of interviews, photo shoots. They did like charitable stuff like um, usually all stars always do uh, during the all star break. So it's very useful and it's very good for any NBA player to sh- to be at, you know, all star weekend to show up at an all star weekend because you're going to get something out of it one way or another. And Hopefully it boosts their confidence. Hopefully they they're not they you know they they recharge their batteries. Saturday I was at the Orlando City soccer exhibition. Like we we have these amazing purple gold kits this year, which I'm excited for. Like a, one's coming in the mail here, hopefully within the next few days. But so I missed the All Star Saturday night. I caught the highlights. Like I you know the skills competition seems to be broken. Um, it was a meh showing by like the rookie team overall. Uh, you know, even for Paolo, maybe, maybe he was partying a bit the night before. I don't know, but um, it's just, I don't like that format. And then you had uh, Mac McClung and uh, Dame Lillard. They took the dunk in three point titles. Like those two events seem fine. Penny, did you get to watch a good portion of, of uh, all-star Saturday night and kind of any thoughts that you thought that, uh, that I didn't bring up on this? Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I did not watch, uh, in real time the skills challenge i don't think i missed that much uh no to your point a little disappointing showing but uh also nobody gives a full effort anyway i thought the three-point contest was good i thought the dunk contest was fine um that's about the best you're gonna get uh i have more thoughts about sunday which does not pertain to any magic players but man was that god awful all right, so yeah, Sunday's All-Star game was awful. The game itself was awful. Um, the draft, I thought, was pretty entertaining, but that game needs to be, you know, East versus West again and then raise the stakes somehow monetary-wise, I, I don't know, to to make them play defense somehow because the way they're doing it now, even like the Elam ending, it, it didn't play a factor because Giannis Adetokounmpo's team kicked LeBron's team's ass and, you know, um, I, I like the draft idea. I didn't like how the reserves were picked before the starters. Um, because even at the end, like Lori Markkinen was the one that ended up getting embarrassed anyway. Jokic thought he was the last one, but he wasn't. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, I hope all-star weekend as a whole, like, you know, I hope Paolo and Franz had a good time. I think Paolo left before that Sunday, which I assume Franz did too. So that's good. So they got in probably some extra rest before they, they got back today, Tuesday for, for practicing and whatnot. So um, yeah, Penny, what, uh, what are your all-star game thoughts? I, I don't know how you fix it. Um, but they and we're, we're certainly not going to ever go back to the days of the eighties, nineties, maybe even early, early parts of the two thousands where you're getting a full defensive effort for the whole game like that. We're, it's never going to happen again, but the carrot, of the all-star game is always you're going to see a lot of cool shit for three quarters and then you're going to see competitiveness come out and take you to you know a a climactic finish which we did not get and there was no intention of that even uh when lebron's team got kind of within striking distance they still didn't even want to put a body in front of somebody to make it a two possession not two possession but you know get within six of, of the of the target score so uh, to me, that was just abysmal. Uh, there's a difference between like letting up a little bit to allow for highlights and then also just going through the motions and having it be a three hour layup line. I, also, as you probably know about me, like I, I, I like to watch reality TV. I like the game shows and everything, but I always fast forward through the contestant interviews and shit, just cringy and I don't care for it. Um, I, I didn't care for the draft portion too much. Uh, there's always a lot of filler Friday, Saturday, Sunday for All-Star Weekend. But my God, that took a long time. There's no reason to continue to cut back to the TNT crew to to put another 15-minute segment in. Like I wanted to see – I didn't expect to see full basketball, but I wanted to see highlights. Um and you know, there's a couple what like off, off the backboard dunks and stuff that were a lot cool of long shots. Always, but, but yeah, it, it became like 
kids trying to shoot like Steph Curry at the local rec more so than elite basketball players showing off uh, how elite they are. So uh, to me, it was a disappointment. Um, and I try not to be super cynical about that stuff, but I, I trended that way um, this year. Uh, looking forward to getting back to to magic basketball this week. And we are, you know, hopefully Paolo and Franz, they recharge their batteries going to this last 23 games of the season because it's it's a sprint. You know, they've they've the team practice today, you know, practice tomorrow, Wednesday and then Thursday. You're you're home playing the Pistons um, today. Tuesday has been pretty busy news wise. The team announced that Admiral Schofield was converted from a two way contract to an NBA contract. I'm a bit surprised it was him and not Kevon, but. We'll see long-term what this means. Uh, Admiral shouldn't be in the rotation unless injuries rack up again for the team. Um, and then later this afternoon, RJ Hampton was finally and mercifully waived. Uh, Woj says that RJ is getting signed by the Pistons. So Thursday's home game against the Pistons gets extra interesting if RJ plays for them. Um, all right, quick thoughts on the Schofield conversion. Do you think it should have been Kevon? you think it still might be Kevon because we still have an extra roster spot now available with RJ being waived? It, I, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be Kevon. I think this is more of a make good over the last couple of years for him. Uh, just for Admiral? Doing, doing a solid, yeah. Because, yeah, because Admiral can't take another two-way contract anymore now, I think. It's either like, it's either standard NBA contracts or that's it, so... Um, I still would prefer Kevon long-term over Admiral if the Magic are trying to fill out a roster. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Penny? Yeah, I mean, I think long-term, there's more of a fit for Kevon. Uh, also, to be fair to Admiral, I think his contribution has probably been greater than Kevon this year. He had that fun stretch in December. Um, I mean, neither's really played much for the Magic since then. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Admiral had some – I mean, he had what, that huge Celtics game, that's for sure. I mean, uh, Kevon hasn't had a, a game that big for Orlando like Admiral had, so that's fair. Um, yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, it. yeah, I mean, we'll see. It, it's I, I'm, I'm more of a Kevon guy. I just – I like his kind of versatility, both offensively and defensively, than Admiral. But, I mean, Admiral, he – yeah, he had that good December stretch, so I'm not complaining too much. Um, all right, back to RJ Hampton because look, I, I we don't know what happened to lead to the his team option not being picked up, but it was it was downhill those final four months from that point to here, and I hope we find out soon what what the hell is going on because RJ Hampton is good. I think he's a good player. He's still only 22 years old. He just turned 22 years old like two weeks ago. He played well under Steve Clifford after the Denver trade, but ever since Mosley staff was kind of was put in to place, like it's it's always put RJ in a, in bad spots in my mind, and, and especially by playing him at point guard so much. Like RJ's a wing, like, and maybe Detroit taps into that, but that Aaron Gordon trade is going to warrant further examination in the future because we only have Gary Harris, who has been great, obviously as a three and D guy, and that twenty twenty five Denver first round pick to show for it. And AG's looking pretty good with Denver. Um, he's he's really figured out that chemistry with Jokic, and you know, it, it, a lot of this is going to depend on do we keep Gary, you know, past you know further than the next year or two and then what happens with that 2025 denver first round pick does that turn into anything because um you know i was really high in rj the magic were high in rj the magic were saying like they they were close to taking rj hampton instead of cole anthony in the draft you know cole they got picked 15th and rj got picked uh you know like six spots above him i think it was but you know, RJ's last Magic game, I thought was a slap in the face where he, you know, he played 55 seconds in our January 20th home win against the Pelicans. His real last game was when he scored 12 points in 23 minutes in our January 4th uh, home victory against OKC. Like, since, you know, during that time, since that time, like RJ spent a lot of time with Lakeland, kind of like, uh, you know, with, with guys like Kevon Harris and even Isaac a little bit, but in three seasons with the Magic, 
Hampton, he had 116 career Magic games played, 15 starts, 20.8 minutes per game, uh, 8.0 points per contest, 3.1 boards, 2.3 assists per game, 40.8% field goal shooting, 34.1 three-point shooting, and that was on the uptick. 67.9 free throw percentage, that was never good enough. He needed to get his free throws a lot better than that. But, again, he's only 22 years old, and – I just think we're going to end up regretting letting him go. I I have Trevor Ariza, Laker, revenge-type fears in my head with RJ. Um, But he's a Piston now, and we're going to see how that turns out. But uh, final RJ Hampton thoughts, Penny. You're you're much higher on him than probably anyone else on the planet not related to him. Yeah. Um, I will say the shameful thing is that he probably was playing both his best and also most composed basketball of his career this season in very limited opportunity uh, and being shut out for, you know, what appeared to be more than just roster construction issues, which is what they'll say it was. Um, my my parting thought here is what, what are you going to do with all this New Zealand Breakers uh, merch now? I just have the one New Zealand Breaker jersey. I'm holding on to it right now. I mean, it's... It's a cool jersey either way, but um, he'll get a shot in Detroit. I mean, you know, I think he'll get a fair shake here the rest of the year and get some time on the court. Yeah, (laughs) watch him drop like I I don't even know if he's going to play for the Pistons on Thursday, but if he does, like watch him drop like twenty and they beat us, and it just ruins like these last this last twenty three game stretch for us. Just watch that happen. But anyway, here we are. You know, it's a twenty three game sprint to the finish, and. We're trying to sneak into the play-in. I, I think we're going to fairly quickly know if we're up to the task or not. Um, I think the Magic are better without Ross and Bamba. Hampton's gone, so that kind of cloud of uncertainty departs with it as well. And adding Goga and then converting Admiral, we're at 14 NBA contracts and one two-way spot and Kivon. Yeah, maybe Kevon gets converted too. Who knows? Maybe we're just leaving the door open for a veteran that I'm not aware of. Um, I mean, th- we'll see what Walt Tim have up their sleeves. But the magic depth chart for me is I have at center Wendell, Moritz, Goga, power forward. I got Paolo, Isaac, Chuma, small forward. I got Franz, Caleb. I have Bull out of the rotation, and then I have Admiral that, uh, slotted in there. Our guard situation is kind of on the thin side because you got at shooting guard Suggs and Gary Harris. At point guard, you got Fultz and Cole. And obviously you got Kevon as a two-way guy who could play shooting guard, I guess. But um, if the Magic are going to fill that 15th spot, I imagine it's actually going to be a guard. But we're going to see. I'd like to see Caleb get the backup small forward minutes rather than Bull. Like, I like 10-man rotations. I know it seems like Mosley prefers eight or nine and i've seen i've I've heard other folks prefer eight or nine rotation man rotations i think we're good enough to have a 10-man rotation um it's nice if though if you can stagger in guys like franz or paolo or fultz but i don't i i'd like to see suggs get the start over gary going into thursday's game um especially while jalen suggs is relatively healthy like jalen his offense is starting to show up and his defense is elite. Like it's even, it's better than Gary Harris's. Like Suggs plays like a free safety sometimes, where he's just picking stuff off left and right. And unlike Terrence Ross's, uh, you know, unnecessary gambling, like Suggs's gambles pay off typically when he's making a move for a steal. But um, I think having a second unit of Moritz, Isaac, Caleb, Gary, and Cole intrigues me. I think that's pretty good. And I wouldn't play ball at the moment except for if injuries pop up and then when Isaac sits out like the second night of a back-to-back, which we only have two more second, you know, two more back-to-backs the rest of the season. But I don't know. You got any thoughts to my depth chart viewpoint, um, especially I, with the Caleb and the Jalen stuff, I guess? Yeah, I, I don't think we see a switch here. I don't think Gary's going to lose his spot. I, I'm a, myself, I'm a big proponent of the nine-man rotation in terms of uh minutes to acclimate and get comfortable i don't know how much that plays into young guys i would think that it would we're in a unique spot here with presumed both you know as you mentioned resting on back-to-backs for ji but also kind of minute restrictions across the board that crop up whenever they do so 
fitting 10 guys in the rest of the year shouldn't be a problem, but I don't see a starting lineup switch happening. And and I also don't see bowl falling out of the rotation as much as uh, sometimes his play might dictate it will be interesting to me to see what happens with Chuma going forward. I, I just don't see a pathway there to, to playing time at all. Um, you know, barring injury, obviously. Do yeah. You, who, who, I, I have to assume that we pick up at least another uh, two-way guy for the rest of the year. Uh, I assume that they'll probably just reward somebody in Lakeland. Do you see the magic filling out the roster completely to finish the season? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they will. I don't know if they're going to do like the 10 man thing for the 15 spot, but for the two way, I mean, it, it makes sense to to sign a guy to a two way. Um, I, I, yeah, I, it, I think it'd be, it's somebody already on the Lakeland roster that they're going to give it to. Um, I have an idea of thinking who it's going to be, but I, I'll, we're just going to wait and see and find out. But you know, we're 24 and 35. Oh, well, actually, well, Chuma, look, Chuma shouldn't have played in that Toronto game, I don't think, because he it, it did not look great for him. And I hopefully he's gonna get some good practices in and maybe he'll look better if if uh if uh Mosley goes that route with playing him rather than say Caleb Houston. But I think Houston is is improving rapidly on both ends of the floor at, real quick for and for a second round pick rookie to be looking as solid as, he, as he's looking that's that's promising but all right so we're 24 and 35 shockingly i predicted that we would be 24 and 35 at this point in the season this, this never this never happens where i'm this right like it's it's <laughs> insane like it took a weird path for us to get here but we got here um I had us finishing 10 and 13 and a total of 34 wins on the season is what my predictions had when I, when I did this back in October. So, um, a 12 game, you know, 34 wins is pretty good. Like a 12 game, that's a 12 game improvement from last season and it's not good enough. It wouldn't be good enough to grab the 10th seed in the East, but I do think looking at our schedule, we can do better than 10 and 13 to finish the year out. We're five games back of Atlanta, who's the eighth seed in the East, and the Hawks just fired Nate McMillan to peace Trey Young. So now last time they fired a coach, they rocketed to the Eastern Conference Finals. This time their interim coach sucks. So you're not a big uh, Joe Prunty fan? I no, I I don't think I don't, I would be surprised if Atlanta. I, well, I don't know. They're going to be in the play-in, but that, that's uh, something to watch. Not. There's a lot of discontentment happening there. I God, I I think this is an opportunity because I don't know if they're going to hire a guy in the middle of the season. Like, also, you've been from day one have been uh, now rightfully shitting on the fit in Atlanta with uh, Trey Young and Dejounte Murray. Are you going to take a victory lap on that one too? As you uh, rightfully did for your record prediction. I probably should, but then they'll probably end up in the Eastern Conference Final. So I don't want to do right. that right now. But it's it's looking pretty good. Like Trey Young, you are going to be an Oklahoma City Thunder. I I, I see that <laughs> in his future. But um, yeah. Look, I mean, I hope they don't hire a guy in the middle of the season like Quinn. Like if they hire Quinn Snyder or uh or, or Kenny Atkinson, that scares me. But you still have to hire a staff then implement all that. And that that's tough to pull off in the middle of a season. So I think it's Joe Prunty and I just hope it all just blows up. Like I hope like the, like they still, they still have fucking John Collins, man. They're holding that guy hostage. It's, it's ridiculous. And I just hope it just all explodes in their face. And I would love to jump Atlanta in the standings. Um, five games to make up in 23 games. It's really freaking hard to do, but the Atlanta could fall off a cliff. We're, we're going to see, but uh, the magic are four and a half games back of the wizards who are ninth. I think once Wes Unsell jr. Just continues to do an awesome job. And I, I don't know. Would you agree that you, you see the wizards as a play in team? I certainly a, a play in team. And I honestly have been pleasantly surprised by how well coached they've been and how good they've looked at times. Um, also equally bad at times, but that's what a, you know, 500 team looks like. We are four games back of Toronto for 10th. That 
that loss, that last loss on that second night of a back-to-back has us four games back of the Raptors. And that stings a bit right now because Pirtle has just been massive out of the gate for them upon his arrival. And, I mean, he, he dropped like a, was a career high, I think it was, 30 or close to a career high when against the Magic. And I, I think Nick Nurse and I think the Raptors, too, are getting kind of healthy now. And I, I think Nurse is, and the Raptors are going to – I mean, they've, they've bought in, like they didn't, you know, that pressure of being traded away is now gone for right now. Like again, Fred they, Van Vliet. They punted on, on blowing it up, which should inspire a lot of confidence. I think Toronto and also Indiana who doubled down with the Turner extension, um, at least to get through this year. Like to me, those two teams I don't know that we'll get ahead of either of those teams, but I think they will do the job of blocking Chicago from getting into the play-in. Hmm. Okay. Because then we're two games back of Chicago, who we get their draft pick this summer for does land in the top four. We're two games back of Chicago, who are in eleventh place. Like they're they're right there for the taking. And then we're one and a half games back of Indiana in twelfth. Like, do the Pacers? finally decide to tank because they they really lost a lot of ground when Halliburton was out and then even with Halliburton back they're still they've still been kind of teetering there and look we're 13th like we've had the fifth worst record in the league for like two plus months now like we we have the fifth best draft lottery odds for months now and I think we need to go 14 to 9 and finish with 38 wins to get into the plan like it is possible. Like if Franz and Paolo, you know, they've gotten their rest. If they shake out of their slump, I, I really think it's possible. Like I, I know I was going, you know, 10 at 10 and 13 to finish off the season, 14 and nine, looking at that schedule is not ridiculous. It's, it's really not like, you know, maybe 12 and 11 even gets it done, but we, we need a ton of help at that point. Like the Hawks would have to fall off a cliff and then, yeah, I mean, you would need, gosh, you'd need to jump Indy. You need to jump Chicago. But if we could, it, it might have to take us catching the Hawks in that situation. But um, I, I, it's possible. But we we got to come out of the gate strong. Like the Magic at worst have to go three and two in this coming, uh, you know, in this stretch coming out of the break because we need to beat Detroit Thursday at home. We have the Pacers Saturday night, which that's actually that's an Orlando City home opener clash as well. So I'll be at the Orlando City home opener. I won't be watching the Pacers game uh, Saturday. So hopefully we take care of business for that. But those are two home games, two very winnable home games. You got to win those because then it's it's a it's tricky road games in New Orleans and Milwaukee before you have to win in Charlotte on March third. Like four and one in that five game span is possible it can't be two or three or worse. Like it, it, it's gotta be three and two or four and one. If you do worse than the three and two, like you can forget about it. Like we're not, it's not happening. I don't think at that point, because then it's the four game homestand against Portland, Milwaukee, Utah, and Miami. At that point, you're hoping to honestly split and go two and two, you know, uh, maybe Milwaukee rest, you know, maybe Giannis is out for Milwaukee, Maybe we 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 nut up and beat Mill Miami. You know, you you really need to somehow go three and one in that homestand. But I mean, two and two is almost a more really realistic. But who knows? I mean, this this is a weird Magic team. Like they get up for big games and they don't get up as big for for the smaller games. But um, because then after that four game homestand, then it's the four game road trip out west. Uh, because Amway Center is going to be hosting those early March Madness games during that stretch, and you know. It's 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 a challenge coming out of the gate, but if you go two and zero against the Pistons and Pacers, maybe you can leapfrog Indiana in the standings by the end of this upcoming weekend, and then hopefully we just build momentum for there. Um, Penny, what do you think, man? I, I think we end up falling short of the play-in, but Mosley staff yeah. is going to be just extra scrutinized from here on out. I think because it's there and the the expectations the pressures there and this is what we were hoping for from this magic team this is where you're yeah. going to really know what we're made of i i think you're right on with that number of 38 um everyone's so tightly bunched that there's not going to be a whole lot of fallout you're going to have to win your way into the play and i think 38's the target number 
I don't think we're going to get there. Um, but but that being said, and, and what I've said all year is you want to play meaningful games as long as possible, which we're doing certainly into March. Yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. there's a chance to be doing it into April, depending on how things shake out. I mean, they, like there there's four teams that are already just kicking the ball around until the you know until they find out if they get Wembenyama or not. And we're not one of those teams this year. That's a positive. Uh, there's a lot of meaningful basketball games being played, a lot of stressful and learning situations uh, that the Magic are getting to go through and that we'll continue to get to go through um, at least for another few weeks and maybe longer. So this whole season is gravy uh, and and we could end up, <laughs> if we play our cards right and do the right thing, uh, I think there's a there's a potential reward here for falling just short of the play in and, and and still getting that draft reward um, in its place. Yeah, no, it's true. Which I is mean, probably more beneficial long term than the one play in game that we you know would have played anyway. Yeah, we'll see. I I I, I still think that that would be more valuable than than having the, I don't know, the, the the eighth best odds going into the lottery. But, I mean, we know there's that team that always seems to leap now in this new lottery format between, like, sixth and eighth or sixth and ninth. There's always, like, that one team that jumps into the top four. So, but, look, my 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 hope for Mosley and the staff was that they win 30 or more games this season. Like, if they, if they won 30 or more games, that, you know, they were going to be safe and fine going into the offseason – so as long as they win, you know, six more games, which they definitely better, or, you know, if they don't do that, then man, we, we might have some Somebody questions. Somebody get Nate McMillan on the horn if they don't win six more. Well, give me Kenny Atkinson then before yeah. the Hawks get him, I guess. But no, um, you know, if the Magic are still in it in the final week of the season, you and I may have to go to either the Brooklyn game in Brooklyn, April 7th, which that's tough because that's the second night of a back-to-back after we'll have hosted the Cavaliers twice at home, but maybe the Cavs will be set in, in their playoff spot. You know, maybe they will be resting guys. That's the fun, crazy thing about the end of the season. You don't know who's resting who you don't know who's healthy. There's so much up, up in the air for that. I mean, Brooklyn, they just extended Jock Vaughn to become permanent head coach. Finally, good for him. Like awesome for him. Like the way he had that team playing before the Durant trade was amazing. And then now after, it seems like that Brooklyn team's going to be fun because Mikhail Bridges is a stud. And it sucks that we didn't try and snag him from Phoenix. But now that price tag is going to be way higher now if you want to grab, you know, take him from the Nets. But, um, you know, if not that April 7th game, that second to last game of the season for the Magic, then the season finale in Miami, Sunday, April 9th, the 1 p.m. tip. It'd be fun if you and I literally that Sunday morning drive down to Miami, we watch the Magic play and win their way into the play-in, and then drive back home up north, you know, up back up to Orlando and just pure happiness and ecstasy. But um final thoughts before we get out of here. That's that that's it for the pod for us. I I I'm excited. Um, it's nice to be excited about the team in February. We haven't had that um, I think in a in a long time. Uh there's a lot to play for. There's still a lot of storylines circulating around the team too. So uh, just really looking forward to to Thursday night and beyond. Let's do it, buddy. All right. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. It helps our podcast ranking a lot. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. With that, take care. Let's go magic.